Welcome to the Joint Multinational Readiness Center Train to Win podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joyce Costello. In our podcast series, we talk to members of the Hohenfels training area that are at the forefront of strategy and tactics. In this podcast, I'm talking with Lieutenant Colonel Jason Vincent and Major Stuart Gallagher, who are both observer coach trainers at JMRC. Now, they recently published an article titled PSYOP Civil Affairs, Units Need to Prove Themselves. The full article can be read in the AUSA Army Magazine, February 2020 edition. But first, what we will do is we'll talk a little bit about how the article got developed. But then I think the most important part is especially those top trends that we are seeing here at JMRC. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Joyce. So, Lieutenant Colonel Vincent, could you provide a quick overview of your article on PSYOP and CA trends? Sure. The article is about common trends that we as OCTs here at JMRC have observed over the past couple years. Uh, We've noticed four major trends, which we wrote about in the article, and those trends being integration, tactical proficiency, showing value to the unit, and targeting. Additionally, we've also observed a considerable number of external influencers, or what might consider spoilers. These are things that, even if the unit did everything perfectly, could derail their rotation. And we'll address these later. Okay, I look forward to talking about external influencers later on. So, in the meantime, Major Gallagher, I understand this paper started out as a white paper. How did it progress from there to being published in the AUSA magazine? Joyce, that's, that's true. It did originally start out as a white paper. Um, the main reason we wrote it was to help SIAP and Civil Affairs units to train here at JMRC. Uh, over the past two and a half years, we were seeing the same trends over and over again, uh, rotation after rotation. We figured if we wrote about these trends and, and got it published, the, the units would be more aware, allowing them to more effectively tailor the training plans focused on areas um, where they were coming up short. After we wrote the original white paper, we started handing out to the SIAP and Civil Affairs units when they came over to Hohenfels for their, their planning conferences. Additionally, we sent copies to the leadership at USA KPOC, which is the United States Army Civil Affairs and SIAP Command, which is actually a reserve element for Civil Affairs and SIAP. Um, in order to raise awareness and readership, Lieutenant Colonel Vincent and I reworked the white paper into an article and submitted it to both Army Magazine and the Eisenhower Writing Competition hosted by USERA. Uh, yes, I remember that paper actually uh, was part of some of the ones that it won. So, Major Gallagher, since you started disseminating this paper to the end users, these key stakeholders, have you seen any improvements since? We, we have, Joyce, actually. In fact, what's interesting is that our paper has almost become a standard reading for uh, the soldiers and leadership at USA KPOC. Most of the time when CA and, and psychological operations representatives meet with us during the planning conferences, they've already read it. As a result, they're already aware of the trends and are reworking their training plans back at home station. The biggest indicator that our article is, is making an impact can be seen really in the latest exercise, Combined Resolve. The SIOP and, and Civil Affairs units that were here for this exercise did an excellent job integrating and showing value at the, the supported unit. These are little victories, but it really a sure sign that it's making a difference to some degree. Okay, so for those who have not had a chance to read the paper, and that's really the, the meat and potatoes of this podcast, Lieutenant Colonel Vincent, could you walk me through some of the trends in the recommendations so that the audience has an understanding of what they were and how they can apply it to training here at JMRC? I'd say the main overall trend we saw right off the bat was lack of integration. And that's understandable because you've got reserve component forces, whether they be CA or PSYOP, supporting, in most cases, active duty 
could be U.S. or it could be a multinational brigade. And so too often they don't meet the unit they are supporting until they arrive here for the exercise. Another reason is brigade may not have an S-9, which is civil affairs officer, on their staff or a PSYOP planner. And so they would not necessarily have an advocate for their capabilities on that staff. Some of the recommendations we've made to overcome this trend is we've encouraged units to participate in training conferences, planning conferences whenever possible. We've seen them attending the LTP leader training program, which really helps them work in with that unit and integrate and participate in the planning. Some other recommendations we've made are for them to develop a cogent capabilities brief so they can get right to the point of how they impact the unit and its mission. And make sure everybody across the unit knows it because you never know when they may be asked by a brigade commander. And basically every day is, is a tryout. They need to prove themselves day in and day out. And everybody on that, that unit because they reflect that unit's capabilities. And we've seen when units do this, it's absolutely evident that they are doing these things. Okay, so in the article, um, one of the trends that you mentioned was about tactical proficiency. Major Gallagher, can you elaborate on that? I, I can, Joyce. The second trend is, is the lack of tactical proficiency, like you pointed out. Tactical prof- proficiency is imperative. Possessing, this means soldiers possessing soldier skills, such as like driving, radio protocol, knowledge of various weapon systems, and so forth. And understanding small unit tactics, like patrolling and outer inner, inner cordon security, and actions on the objective, just to name a few. Um, PSYOP and civil affairs teams often move in small formations with little, if any, any security. This puts them at a higher risk on the battlefield. Uh, being tactically proficient mitigates this risk. And mitigating risk gives a brigade commander more confidence. And confidence allows PSYOP and civil affairs to properly be employed in the battle space. There are two examples that, that really stand out in, from the exercises here at Homefells that I can think of. Um, in one case, we had a civil affairs unit that infilled with the BCT. Um, after the courting party was finished, the, the unit began to occupy the, the main command post footprint, or the MCP. Um, because there were so many vehicles congesting the area, the, the CA team parked outside that perimeter. Unfortunately, they were captured within about 20 minutes um, after arriving at the, the main command post area. This event resulted in, in marginalization of that civil affairs unit throughout the rest of the exercise. On the other hand, we had a British information warfare team that was attached to one of the battalions. Um, they were a six-man team composed primarily of Paras and Royal Marines, which are all combat arms trained. The battalion was attacked, but the Brits held the line so effectively that the Op 4 had to maneuver around the flank, ultimately killing the entire battalion headquarters. The Brits were the only ones that survived that battle. When word of uh, their actions reached the brigade commander, um, the British soldiers were granted pretty much carte blanche to operate in the brigade battle space. So it really can't be overstated. Tactical proficiency is really a must. What we tell the units to, to drive the point home is you can be the best sniper in the world, but if you, if you can't get to the objective to take the shot, it, it just really won't matter. The same applies to this case as well when, when you're looking at civil affairs and PSYOP. Being tactically proficient is what opens the door to proper employment of, of PSYOP and civil affairs on the battlefield. When you're looking at recommendations to, to reverse this trend, one of the number one things is to understand that they're is significant time and resource constraints with PSYOP and civil affairs units when they're at home station training. However, they, they really need to adjust their training schedules 
to allow for more soldier skills training and more small unit tactics. Also, and number two would be, as early as possible, they need to be familiar with the supported commands like standard operating procedure, their uh, pace plans, which is their comms plans, and really the brigade's role overall in the mission. That, that's about all I have, Joyce, on, on Trend 2. I would send it back over to Colonel Vincent to discuss Trend 3. Thanks, Stu. Yeah, now that we've started with integrating with the unit, proving that you're tactically and technically proficient and you're not a liability, now it comes down to proving your worth with your very specific capability. If we're talking about civil affairs and we're talking about what is historically known as the phase three fight, it's large-scale combat, and the, the maneuver unit and the commander is focused on the enemy, on the near peer. And one way we've found that civil affairs can help the commander is you need to get after either how to find and kill the enemy or how to protect the force. If you talk outside those very much, you're going to lose their attention. Civil affairs can inform the public of the posture, presence, and purpose of the force. They can explain the nefarious actors because it's safe to assume here in Germany under Article 5 conditions that being a member of NATO that the Germans would do whatever they could to help us win this war and reestablish international boundaries. And so if you can broadcast or advertise things that are on the high payoff target list that the commander wants to find and kill, you could expect that, you know, you might receive some phone calls or people would report it to the police and then it could be handed off to the unit to prosecute those targets. Another way that PSYOP can prove their worth in the phase three fight is through tactical deception and whatever efforts they can do to deceive the enemy, to present multiple dilemmas for the enemy commander, then that helps the Blue Force Brigade commander achieve his objectives. Stu, would you like to cover the fourth? Definitely. Um, I'll, I'll definitely get into that in one second. I think one thing I'd like to do is caveat off of the last trend, and that is uh, it's, it's really about working with the brigade. The brigade can always use another planner, right? And that's number, like, CA and PSYOP have um, a significant amount of planning experience, and they see the world through a different lens, so to speak. So it's very good to have them on the staff and helping with the planning process. Also, and this is really important in the bigger scheme of things, the PSYOP and Civil Affairs personnel really need to be listening to the commander. What, what is that commander trying to achieve? What is his vision? And can you explain to that commander in maneuver speak how you can help them. If you can't do that, what will happen very quickly is you'll get marginalized because there's a lot of jargon that we use in both civil affairs and PSYOP that a brigade commander is not always tracking. So we, we have to put it in a language that he can understand. So I, that's what I, I think closing trend three. The fourth one is, is the targeting process. What Colonel Vincent and I have found is there's a significant lack of targeting training in PSYOP and civil affairs across the board. The problem is when, when you're dealing with a BCT, targeting is, is what is often referred to as the engine that drives the brigade. If PSYOP and civil affairs are not feeding the targeting process, they're technically not feeding that engine. The simple fact of the matter is that PSYOP and civil affairs both have skill sets and access and placement on a battlefield that most soldiers don't. This means they have information that can be very helpful to a commander and his staff during the targeting process. In some cases, it can be critical. Not knowing that the targeting process means that this information that the soldiers are fighting on the battlefield doesn't make it into the targeting process or the targeting board. And so the BCT can't action those targets. Uh, for example, let's, let's say a, a PSYOP 
or civil affairs soldiers in a key leader engagement. During that meeting, a, a host nation leader brings him or her some piece of information about a location of a target that's on the high priority targeting list. Bringing this information back to the brigade could corroborate location of, of that said target, which, you know, the, the result of that would be the destruction of that target and, and possibly, you know, the saving of many American lives. However, this information doesn't make it back in, into the targeting process, then, then it really is all for naught. So, the bottom line is understanding that targeting is important, and it's another way also that the, the PSYOP and civil affairs personnel can show their value to that commander. When we're looking at recommendations to reverse this trend, number one is we, we need to find a way to train psychological operations and, and civil affairs personnel on t- the targeting process. It's, it's really the end-all be-all for this, this particular section. Now, how is this done? It, there's a lot of different ways we could do it. It could be added into the program of instruction at the actual PSYOP and civil affairs pipeline at Fort Bragg. You could conduct training at home station with somebody within your unit that was a former targeteer that could train you on these things. Or you could bring in a mobile training team that would have that expertise that would be able to walk walk you through the targeting process. Last but not least, there's also plenty of courses up at the first I.O. command. Um, they have a planner's course called the I.O. Fundamentals course, and there's another one called the Army Information Operations Planner's course. Either of those would be um, adequate in, in learning those aspects of targeting and how to get that into that process for the BCT. So, uh, Colonel Vincent, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about external influencers and spoilers. Could you discuss that a little bit more in detail? Absolutely. The external influencers that we identified, or what we sometimes call spoilers, are it could be any person outside of the CA or PSYOP unit that can inhibit their ability to conduct operations. And that could be, we've seen a variety of people serve in that role or, or unfortunately derail uh, civil affairs operations or PSYOP operations and we've seen it start from the very top with the brigade commander just not understanding how to employ civil affairs or PSYOP properly or potentially they have a uh, they've had a bad experience in the past so they are hesitant to employ civil affairs or PSYOP. Uh, we've also seen members of the brigade staff for a variety of reasons. Again it, it could be just lack of exposure could be bad experience but we've also seen just no advocates on the brigade staff unfortunately like we talked about earlier the s9 or the psyop planner if they don't have an advocate on brigade staff or to participate in the targeting processes the meetings or decision boards that major gallagher was talking about before then they're left out and nobody's there to account for their, their capabilities probably the biggest thing we've seen since we've been here which is very unfortunate is starting in 2014 when information officers were taken off the brigade's MTO. That's the Manning document. And since brigades have lost the information operations officer, I believe it's FA 30, functional area 30, that is who is really specifically trained to manage information related capabilities. So whether it's CA or it's PSYOP or electronic warfare. Uh, cyber, PAO, like all those information-related capabilities are very unique, and that's oftentimes they're foreign to a brigade commander because they brigade commanders that come here are maneuver guys. That's how they've cut their teeth and come up in the Army, and they're often not very familiar with information-related capabilities, and 
in the absence of an information officer on the brigade staff, those unique capabilities don't get put into play. And then the other thing that we're never really going to get over in this training environment is the time and measurements of effectiveness. We talk about measurements of effectiveness and MOPs, measures of performance. Uh, measures of effectiveness are answers, are we doing the right things? And measures of performance answer, are we doing things right? Unfortunately, it takes a long time for those to play out. And with a 10-day exercise here, the fight is focused at the tactical level. An example I've used in the past is I, I'll tell CA and PSYOP or PAO or whatever IRCs, come in here to support a unit. The unit is doing kung fu. It's combatives. And there's almost instant feedback. If it was a good shot, a bad shot, if you got hit, if you hit who you were trying to. Whereas what we're doing in the IRCs is more like kata. It's going through the motions and doing these drills, but there's not often very obvious feedback. So when you're talking about influencing someone's behaviors or the way they think, that's all, it, it takes a while to play out. Well, I, I think that's something, especially with PSYOP, a lot of people forget with you know power to influence is it is about changing attitudes and behaviors. And like you said, in 10 days, you really can't quite be able to show how their actions are influencing the civilians on the battlefield necessarily. I think that's a great topic for another podcast, which I'd love to invite you back and discuss. Absolutely. Okay. Um, So with this article, do you you think this article has helped, you know, for the training that's here at JMRC in the future? Because I think, you know, it's, it's great that it's being disseminated and it's great. But again, since we're talking about behavior change, how can articles like this, especially, you know, hitting on the trends that some people might find sensitive or, you know, feelings get hurt, but uh, how, how can this help uh, with JMRC here in the future? I can speak to that one, Joyce. Um, I think the first thing, and we talked about it earlier on in the podcast, is just raising awareness. Now that the units are more aware of where their shortcomings are, it, it allows them the ability now to, to focus more intently on those shortcomings. It allows them to change their training plan a bit at home station and allows them to work on those areas when they when they come over here and, and exercise in the box. I'd also say that it helps to kind of um, improve expectation management both from a supported unit role and the supporting units themselves. So we kind of balance that out a little bit more by better understanding. Another area I would say that we've definitely been able to help is this will give a better platform for these units to integrate more effectively. If they are integrating, if they are tactically proficient, if they're showing value and they understand that targeting process effectively, ultimately that's going to improve a BCT's effectiveness on the battlefield and make it a more lethal formation. If we can do that, if we can help them do that, then then we are successful. Um, and that that's really what we were shooting for at the end of the day when we put this together. Okay, thank you, gentlemen, for your time. You've certainly given those who are involved in PSYOP and civil affairs and certainly, you know, uh, the different commanders, something to think about. And for our audience, if you haven't read the article, you can find it in the February 2020 edition of the AUSA Army Magazine. Uh, We thank you for tuning in to JMRC's Train to Win podcast. Please make sure to let us know what type of podcast you are interested in hearing about by reaching out to us on Twitter at Hohenfels JMRC or on our Facebook or LinkedIn page. Have a great day and train to win.